0: Good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? It's good to see you, and I'm glad you're here, even if you aren't. <laughs> you might be thinking right now, oh my goodness, I'm either in the wrong church or the wrong service. But I promise you, it's going to be okay. We're going to get there together. I'm not JMO. Your skills of observation have not let you down, okay? He is out of town. Out of the country, in fact, getting ready to return home from Liberia after being on a mission trip, training 25 pastors. Pre- please continue to pray for him, for his safety in his trip home, because if he doesn't make it, you're stuck with me. All right? I thought that might get some of your attention, and I just saw somebody close their eyes and bow their heads. So please wait until after the service to do that, okay? Wait till after the service to do that. In case you don't know me, I'm Jeff Riley. And I'm the young adult and small group pastor here at First Baptist Conyers. And John Mark graciously asked me to speak this morning in his absence. So if you're a guest or visitor and you hate it today, come back next week when our pastor's going to be back. If you don't hate it, come back and tell him. And maybe he'll give me another shot sometime soon, okay? Is that a deal? All right. All right, so... I got to tell you guys something before we get started. It's okay to talk back to me because we're going to feed off of each other's energy today, okay? So you guys, when I ask you a question, you answer out loud, all right? Uh, All right, that was a kind of shaky start there. That was a kind of shaky start, but we'll get there. You guys work with me. As long as you don't start throwing anything, I think we'll be okay, all right? And I promise not to throw anything at you if you don't throw anything at me, all right? So I'm excited About being here this morning. Not only that, but I'm even more excited about what God wants to do in our lives through this time together, because when we come before God, He always wants to leave us changed as a result of the time that we spend with Him. And I'm praying that that's exactly what will happen this morning. Can I tell you that I'm also excited about the direction of our church? Anybody with me? Yeah, absolutely. God is calling His church this church to make disciples who make disciples. The mission of the church is to make disciples, all right? And that means we're just simply inviting people into a relationship with God and then leading them deeper into that relationship with him. And when I say it's the mission of the church, I want you guys to understand this, that it's not just our mission, but it's your mission. It's each and every one of our responsibility as followers of Jesus to make disciples, okay? And the church isn't someplace we just come on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights to hang out. The church is his people. It's made up of us. Not only that, but it's not just the paid staff's job to make disciples. It's each and every one of us together, coming together to do the mission that God calls us to do, all right? And when Jesus told his small group of guys to go make disciples, or or when he told him to make disciples, he told him to go and make disciples. He didn't just say, you guys sit around here and see if anybody else comes. Anybody get nervous in here? Because I am. Yeah, absolutely. God says he wants us to go. And when God wants us to go, think of those two words letters, G-O. God wants us to get out. Sometimes that's going to mean we got to get out of this building. Sometimes that means we're going to have to get out of our Sunday school class. Sometimes that means we're going to have to get out of our houses. Sometimes, or all the time, it means we've got to get out of our heads. We've got to get out of the way, and we've got to go Where God calls us to go, even if that means getting out of our comfort zones. Even if that means getting out of our comfort zones. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 is the Great Commission, and Jesus tells his guys to go into all the world and to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching everything that he's commanded them. And he says, you know what? When you go do that, I'm going to go with you. So the good news is, we don't have to go alone. God says, when you're on mission for me, I'm going to be with you, so you don't have to be scared about it, all right? But God doesn't make us do anything, does he? God says, here's what's good. This is what I want for you. Here's what works. And then he leaves it up to us. So he says, you've got a choice, and this is the choice. We can either go and make disciples, or we can stay and make disciples excuses. Ooh, you guys okay out there? That's good. Even if you don't take notes, I want you to write that down. That is good stuff right there. And in case you missed it, I'm going to say it again. We have the choice to either go and make disciples or stay and make excuses. And it's serious. It's serious. We all have to decide if we're going to be part of the mission that God calls each and every one of his children to be on we've got to be a part of the team, or we get to decide if we're going to be a part of the team that God uses, and if it's going to happen, it's going to happen through us, because this is the deal. There is no plan B. God says, you're the church, you're my people, this is the mission, now you go and do what I called you to do, and don't worry, because I'll be with you. I'll be with you, but we're good at making excuses, aren't we? I know I am, But God, you know, I I don't know how. But God, I'm busy. But God, I'm tired. What do I need to know? What do I need to have in order to be and do what you've called me to? And God says, you know what? It's simple. It's simple. All you need to know is why I do what I do for you. God says, all you need to know is why I chase you down every single day of your life and this is the secret are you ready for it lean in a little bit four simple letters l o v e love is all you need to get started you might be thinking well what's love got to do with it everything everything. John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he what? He did something about it, that he gave us his son, that he could have a relationship with us. He said, this is how much I love you. And he said, I'm going to show you what that looks like. And so he did. And so he did. But when I say love, what does that make you guys think of? Maybe food. You guys might already be ready for lunch, and I promise, I promise we're going to get there. Not yet, but we're going to get there. And no guilt, it's gluten-free, turkey, bacon, all good. Maybe you think about food. Any foodies in the house? Yeah? Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. Or, or maybe you think about music. Anybody in here love music? Love to worship? Man, I'm with you. Maybe that's just your thing. Maybe and and maybe not. Maybe it's video games. Anybody in here playing video games? That's probably for the next, oh, we got a couple. Thank you guys so much. I was was nervous that that might only be for the second service, but maybe it's video games. Maybe you guys love playing video games, all right? Or it could even just be a book to get in your nice special place and uh, to let that take you off into another world. Or maybe that's not what it is. Maybe you're a dog person. Any dog people in the house today? Maybe you think of love. You think, okay, I see some big hands out there. There you go. I'm with you guys. Maybe you think about your dog. Maybe you think about your dog. But maybe it's not that dog. Maybe it's that dog, right? (laughs) You may not be those dog kind of people, but I bet you're those dog kind of people, right? So it, it may not be that, though. It could be that you think about your husband or your wife your boyfriend or your girlfriend, or it could even be that you think about your children or grandchildren. Oh, yeah, so sweet, right? Yeah, when they're like that, so sweet. (laughs) But I bet whatever it is that you think of, when you think about love, it's probably not discipleship. I think God wants to change our minds about that. I think he wants to change our minds. We've got really, really good at using that L word, right? Because we love everything now. Well, not everything, but we're constantly on our devices, scrolling through social media. Our thumbs probably the biggest muscles in our body, right? And so we're loving the status updates and the pictures and the stories that everybody's posting. Even Facebook lets you do that now, right? It used to just be likes, but now it's loves. They had to raise the bar, all right? We are constantly talking about loving everything, right? So whether it's pizza, or ice cream, or Star Wars, or soccer, or country music, or grandma, or the dogs, we're talking about love all of the time. We even have websites now for people that and if you met your significant other through that, I'm not mad at you, I'm just saying we have websites now that you go to find true love. And even TV shows, even TV shows that we watch, seeing if other people can find their match made in heaven. Love is the most popular theme in music. It's the most popular theme in literature. Love is everywhere, and we're a society obsessed with the idea of love, but we've mostly gotten it wrong. And as God's people, we need to redefine what love is and love what love means. And so to do that, we have to go back to the author and creator of love, the one who is love in its truest form. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to let God give us some clarity and refocus us on His definition of love, all right? And hopefully we'll understand why that's such a big deal to Him, and it should be to us, all right? We're going to understand, I hope, why it's critical to the mission that He calls us to, and how He wants us to carry it out. Are you ready? Are you ready? All right, well, let's pray, and we'll get to it. Pray with me. Father, this is your time. It's all about you. I just ask you to do what only you can do to help us to understand what it looks like to love the way you love us. And God, that you would not let us leave this place the way we walked in, but that you would motivate us to be on mission for you, loving the people that you surrounded us with. In Jesus' name we ask and pray, amen. Okay, so I I lied to you a little bit, right? Before we get started, I want to say something else, okay? The temptation for us always when we get in front of God's Word is to do this. Man, I know who needs to hear that, right? You're laughing because you know it's true. Whether it's your mom or your dad or your wife or your husband, don't, don't nudge anybody. You'll get in trouble, I promise. Whether it's your kids or your friends or whoever it is, you think, man, I know this is for fill in the blank, but I want us to not do that this morning, because God wants to say something to you this morning. So, if you're with me, I want you to look at the person beside you and say, this isn't about you, it's about me. All right, just so we've got that right, just so we've got that right, and then this is what God wants us to do. After he speaks the truth into our own lives, Then he says, now I want you to go and live this out in a way that's going to impact others, right? It's for you first, and then it's for others. But show them before you tell them, all right? So before we get into the main text that we're going to be in today, I want to set it up a little bit by giving you a few quick things. It's very important that we know who the person is that wrote this letter, all right? And the person that wrote this letter today is the Apostle Paul, who was famously transformed into somebody who hated Jesus and the things of the church, okay? He was a hater in its truest form. He thought he was serving God. He thought he was doing the right thing. This guy was on fire, but he was getting it all wrong until God showed him the light, and when he did, Man, it changed everything for Paul. Paul went from being the biggest persecutor of the church to being arguably the biggest ambassador for Christ of all time. Planning churches, being a missionary, doing all of those kinds of things, okay? So we know who wrote what we're looking at. That's important. But who did he write it to? Paul writes this letter to a church, okay? They're a church, we're a church, we have something uncommon, okay? That's going to be good for us as we try to apply this to our lives. So it was the church in Corinth, and these guys, just like us, they had some problems, all right? They had some problems too. It wasn't just Paul that had some problems, now the church has some problems. So he's writing to them to instruct them and encourage them and how they should live in relationship to God and each other, right? So, Paul's writing the letter, he's writing it to a church, and finally, and when I say finally, it doesn't mean I'm almost done, so don't get too excited. Okay, finally, he, he is writing in chapters 11 through 14, specifically to this church about how the group of believers are supposed to conduct themselves, and how they're supposed to treat each other, as they come together to worship and serve by using the gifts that God has given them within the body, all right? And some of you guys are gonna be familiar with this passage. Some of you maybe even know it by heart. If you are, this is what I wanna say to you today. I want you to forget about the last time that you heard this being in a wedding because it definitely works in that context. But that's not the original intent where Paul was writing this. It's much broader. I want you to pretend like you've never heard this before, if you know it, because we're automatically jumping straight to that other idea of emoji hard eye. All the field loves, okay? And we don't want to do that. This is about the church and how they are treating each other in relationship to one another as they come together to worship. All right, we're going to look at the first three verses of chapter thirteen as Paul writes to the church in Corinth. And he's telling the people, guys, listen, this is what's most important. And this is what he says. If I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. And if I give away all my possessions and if I give, my, give over my body in order to boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Nothing. Paul says, even if I'm the smoothest, most charismatic, dynamic speaker out there that you've ever heard, even of the truth, apart from love, it's worthless. It's nothing. Even more than that, it's aggravating and distracting, and it gets old really fast. Anybody in here have a son or a daughter that's a drummer, a percussionist growing up in the house? Anybody? Man, if you did, that stuff can be painful, can it? They don't necessarily sound like Brian and Brandon up here making it sound really good. What if you guys had to listen to this for the next 15 minutes? <laughs> getting pretty old already isn't it way to go Brandon that's what I'm talking about that's what I'm talking about that'll get old fast that's exactly what he's saying right there he's saying that's what it's like if I exercise my gifts apart from love then he says even if I'm the smartest wisest strong in the faith person you know but I don't have love I'm nothing 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 not limited not less effective but completely unproductive it's all meaningless what about if i'm the most generous person ever and i give everything away even sacrificing my own body without love it's worthless so paul is saying to us today and god is saying to us today If you think you're God's gift to the church and you're exercising all the gifts and talents that he's given you, but if you are not loving the people in the church, man, you've got it wrong. It's all wasted. It's wasted. God wants us to use the gifts and talents that he's given us combined with love to make a difference. Love has to be what motivates us to do what God calls us to do. Love has to be our why. When we combine love with our gifts, then we're on to something. Not only does love have to be our motive, but it's also got to be our method. So it's not just why we do what we do, but it's how we do what we do. Listen to Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Teacher. Which command in the law is the greatest? He said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Jesus says here, you know what, everything you've heard and gotten in the Old Testament, even the Ten Commandments, can be boiled down to these two things. Love God and love each other. If you want to get it right, that's what you have to do. So simple, right? So let's go do that. Crickets. Wow. Okay. I'm going to try to help you out a little bit here because it may not be as easy as we think it is. All right? I guess it depends on what your definition of love is to begin with. How does love manifest itself or make itself known? I have good news. Paul knew you'd ask, so he writes these next several verses. Listen to this. There it is. Love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. I want you to think about this. God has given us the ability to love. We were made in God's image, and God is love. But we only have the capacity to love as we're connected to Him. I think about John fifteen five, where Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. He says you've got to stay connected to me. And in order to be connected to him, or to stay connected, you've got to be connected to him to begin with. All right. And as we're connected to him relationally, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through His Word, and spending time together in prayer, it's going to result in us loving Him more. And through that, then we're going to be able to love each other. Then we'll see the desire to care more about what's best for somebody else than what's best for us. That's what love is. That's what love is. When we're loving We're always going to be outward focused. It's never going to be about me and what I want and what I like. All right? Say it's not about me. Now say it like you mean it. That was a little bit better. We'll see how it goes, okay? I want us to understand, though, that these things that we just read are products of love in us. It's not like, oh, I want to love more, so I'm going to work on being more patient and being more kind. No, 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 it's not a checklist that we go through and say, do this, don't do that, do that, don't do this. It's God saying, through the relationship you have with me, I'm going to give you the power to display these things to other people in your life, all right? And so, he wants us to grow and our love towards each other, understanding that this is a direct reflection of our relationship with Him. So I'm going to go back and read through these things again. And I want you to ask God, hey, what do I need to work on here? Maybe there's even some people that are coming to your mind right now. Let's go back through this again. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Love never ends. So how you doing today? Anybody have some work to do? I know I do. I know I do. The way we love, oh, excuse me, that's in a minute. Maybe you're asking yourself, well, why is this so, so important? I think I'm doing a pretty good job right now, and I'm a little bit uncomfortable with this, all right? I want you to understand why this is such a big deal to us, because it's such a big deal to God, why we can't be content or satisfied with where we're at individually or collectively as a church. Listen to what Jesus says about the way we love each other and why it's so important that we get this right. I give you a new command, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. The way that we love each other is proof that we belong to God. The way we treat each other in here is going to be what God uses us to reach people out there. And if we can't get it right in here, How can we expect anybody from out there to want to come and be a part of what's going on in here? How could we ever expect anybody to say, I want to be involved in that, when they don't see the difference that God is making in our lives? And how are we ever going to love the people in the world if we can't even love the people sitting on the end of the rows in here with us? You might be thinking, but you don't knew, know what he said or, or she did, but he, but she, they're not like me, we can't agree, it's all about me. Mm. There's another G.O. that I want to tell you this, this morning. We're going to have to get over it. We're not only going to have to get out of the way, but we're going to have to get over it. Can I say that to you in love? Because we're stopping the mission of God over petty, dumb things. And we can't do that anymore. It's too important. And the time is now. If we can get that right, I believe that God is going to use it to change our church, and change our families, and change our schools, and change our communities. God wants to see that happening in us. The people outside of this place need to see that happening before they'll believe the message of Jesus that we proclaim to them. All they want to see are people who have allowed God to make a difference in their lives. Authentic people that show them the difference that God makes. That is what the world is waiting for. When I was a kid... Growing up with a family, brothers, parents, grandparents, I thought I knew what love was. Then later on in life, when I started dating relationships, I thought, oh yeah, now I know what love is. Then a little bit later on in my teen years, when I came to know and follow Jesus for the first time, I thought, oh yeah, now I get it. And then after I got married and had kids, I thought I knew what love was, only to realize that I still had no clue. And God has been helping me to understand what love really looks like through his word and through situations in life and circumstances in life. But you know what he's really used in my life? He's used people, people that I've been in relationships with to show me glimpses of what God's love is supposed to look like. And over time, my focus has shifted to me being the center and the object of love to other people be in the center of that. And I think that's what God wants us to do. Listen to how Paul explains this in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 13. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put aside childish things. See, it's one thing... When we're kids, and we don't know any better. We think the world should and does revolve around us, don't we? But, but we don't have experience. We don't know any better. We have that excuse because we're immature. But as we grow, our thinking should change. And we should grow into understanding that it's not about us and meeting our own needs and doing what we want and what we like and having it our way. But who can God use To demonstrate his love to through me. Billy Graham once famously said, It is the Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job to judge, and my job to love. I think that pretty much sums it up for us. That's a pretty good summary. So, how can we get started? It all comes down to relationships. You can't love people apart from relationships. All right, I want you to look back or think back at that list of how love manifests itself and notice that these things only show up in the context of relationships. You can't love people you don't know. See, we were built for a community, we were made for relationships. And the family and the church were God's idea of putting people together. And then Jesus said, you know what, I'm gonna show you what this is supposed to look like. I'm going to leave my comfort zone and I'm gonna come sacrifice and serve for you and share the truth in humility, modeling what it looked like to live for God and investing in a small group of people so when his time was up, they could carry forth the mission that he had given them. And we weren't those people then but we're those people now. It's our turn to go do what Jesus showed us how to do. We have to be serious about the mission. So as the praise team comes back up and we get ready to wrap this up, I want you to think about a few different ways how you can respond to God's word. I want you to think about, man, where am I in life? And how does God want me to respond to what he's told me today? And it could be lots of different things. Let me just throw a few of them out there for you. Maybe it's that I've never understood really what it looks like or what it means to follow Jesus. I have some questions about that. I maybe have been in church for a long time, but I can't say for sure that I've got a relationship with him maybe you need to get right with God today and we'll have some people that are down here in front to talk to you in just a little bit. Or maybe you say, you know what? I know that it's not that. I've got that settled. I know I'm good with God, but there's some people in my life that, man, our relationship is broken. Maybe you need to go ask for forgiveness. Or maybe you need to grant forgiveness. And maybe it's somebody in this room right now today. We can't keep doing what we've been doing. Maybe it's somebody even, even at home. Maybe it's somebody that you're not even speaking to because of something that happened. You need to get that right today. Or maybe you've been sitting out here in, in church and, and you're not connected to a small group. We can't love people apart from relationships. We would love to help you get connected to a small group. Or maybe it's this. You might say, you know what? I've been a part of a small group for a long time, but you know what, it's time for me to step out of that and start investing in other people's lives because I realize that it's not all about me and what I can get out of it, what I like. Whatever it is, this is what I know. God wants to use you to get people's attention by loving them. So our mission is to make disciples. Love has to be our why and we have to do it through intentional investment in people. Will you pray with me?